This message comes from NPR sponsor Dave's Killer Bread, and they're ready to rock the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread is a leading organic bread for a reason, killer taste, texture, and nutrition. This isn't bread. This is bread amplified. Hey, really quick before we start the show, the How I Built This book is now a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. So thank you to all of you who ordered it and for your support of this show. If you haven't picked it up and you want to learn the secrets of how to develop an entrepreneurial mindset, How I Built This, the book is for you. It's now available wherever books are sold and in most countries around the world or by visiting howibuiltthis.com or guyraz.com. And thanks. Hey, everyone, and welcome to How I Built This Resilience Edition. On these episodes, we're talking with entrepreneurs and other business leaders to find out how they are thinking and working creatively through the global economic crisis and the pandemic. And today, we're going to hear from Sonia Gill, the founder of Fluenz. Her company offers a range of programs to help English speakers learn a new language starting with online video programs and eventually expanding into language immersion programs. Sonia, let's start with the founding of Fluenz. I guess you founded this like more than a decade ago. And originally, the idea was this was going to be an online-only platform. Is that right? That's right. So we launched our first product, Fluenz Mandarin, in January of 2007. Kind of like if we can, if we can teach Mandarin... We can teach anything. Yeah. This was a while ago. This is pre-apps, pre-anything. And yeah, the idea was to have a self-learned digital program that was specifically made for English speakers. And that's, that's the key component there. And that's really what differentiates us from, from everybody else. We deconstruct the language and put it back together from the point of view of somebody who's an English speaker who's learning that language. Huh. So if you're going to learn Spanish and you come from English, the obstacles you're going to face are going to be very different than somebody who comes from Italian. They're going to learn it quicker, no doubt. You're going to have a harder time. And it seems logical and you'd think that everything that's out there obviously takes that into account, but that's not the case, actually. Most of the programs and even books and university programs and everything else have one path of learning and that's what it is. And so that makes it harder for us. That means our market is smaller. That also means that every time we develop a language, it's incredibly difficult. It takes resources and time and whatnot. But it also ensures that you have better results and that you feel like it's made for you because it is made for you. Yeah. And it was like an online program. You'd go to website and then you would basically go through the different steps in, in taking the class. Yeah, so the, it's online, but there was a very big element, which is the premise of everything that we do. And it was, how do we bring the magic that an amazing teacher has? I'm sure you've had an experience with a great teacher that you remember. I know I have it. Like, how do we bring that to the digital space in a self-learned program? And every one of our programs has a very strong video component. There's one person that teaches you throughout. I'm actually the video coach for a lot of the languages And so every lesson starts with an introduction in English, explaining like, okay, today we're going to do this. We're going to face these obstacles. We're going to do it together. Then there's a big tutorial where we compare English to whatever language you're learning. This is how we do it. There's a lot of graphics, words come in and out. 
And then you go through a battery of workouts that are designed specifically so that you leverage what you learn and you go forward. There's always a conclusion on video. That's where we bring the cultural aspects of the language. Hmm. We always talk about either a particular painting or an artist or a movie or a book or a recipe, like something that ties in the language with the culture. And that was how it all started. So uh, a couple of years ago, you decided to kind of shift a little bit into in-person immersion courses, courses in Oaxaca and in Mexico City and in Barcelona for people to go for like a week at a time to just really immerse themselves in language. Tell me about that decision to kind of shift some of your focus in that direction. It was actually an idea that had been floating around for a while for us. You know, we wanted to do something in person that was, there wasn't anything out there that met our needs that involved not only just great teaching and a great methodology, but also a beautiful place, go to great restaurants, like not have to think about it, right? There's a lot of immersion programs out there. You know, you can go to Costa Rica for a week and it's super inexpensive and you live with a family and it's cumbersome and you're kind of in a classroom with a lot of people, a lot of young people. So this was thought for like adults. I want to go somewhere where I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. I want to go to great museums. I want to hear talks about history and culture. And I just want to have like a whole experience about the language and the culture and the place that I'm visiting. And there was really nothing out there. So finally, we decided to go for it and build it and start it. And a big part of that decision and why we hadn't done it before is because, again, the learning part of it is a big component. And that meant that I had to sit down and write the program. Like, it's different how you learn through a screen. And the programs that we'd written were meant and written and thought of for somebody who is at home alone learning in a computer. When you are in our immersion programs, you spend four hours a day, sometimes five hours a day, with an instructor, one-on-one. That's a whole different notion and a different experience. So it, it was it was kind of like I had to reckon with the fact that I had to sit down and not sleep and drink lots of coffee for a long time. So talk to me a little bit about what happened this year, because obviously immersion programs, you got people going to cities around the world and all of a sudden COVID hits and, and you had to shut it and down. And we had to shut down, exactly, yeah. completely, and we went to zero. Wow. Starting this part of the business was like starting a brand new company all over again. It was like going back to the roots, you know, like bootstrapping it. How do we make it happen? How do we build it? Yeah. And that all happened in 2017. And in 2018, we started like with our first groups in Mexico City. We grew 100% plus 2019. 2020 was going to be our big expansion year. This year is when we were opening in Barcelona and mm. Oaxaca. Wow. And we had already grown 100%, only selling out till June, like mid-year, right? So it was like our expansion year. Wow. And we were meant to be starting our very first group in Barcelona on March 8th. And wow. the entire team was supposed to be moving to Barcelona on February 20th. So if you remember, on February, we weren't sure what was happening, right? Right. And Barcelona closed up March 14th. We had to make a really hard decision. And at the time, our team thought we were being a little bit like we were exaggerating. Our guests, we had to pull out early. And we did. We did in late February. We kind of just made the call and just wrote to everybody like, hi, we're not doing this. We're postponing it. We're figuring it out. 
One of our guests actually received the email for the postponement while she was on the plane wow. to go to Barcelona. She was going early. Like, people were not happy. It was complicated. Wow. It turned out later that we made the right decision and we were like the coronavirus whisperers. But it was tough. I mean, we had 50 people going to Barcelona, opening up a full city. We had programs laid out for the whole year. We were opening up in Oaxaca in April. Wow. We had relationships with vendors, with hotels. We had commitments that we had already paid wow. for, local teams. I mean, ah, March was rough. When we come back in just a moment, more of my conversation with Sonia Gill and how her company had to rethink in-person immersion in a world with no travel. Stay with us. I'm Guy Raz, and you're listening to How I Built This Resilience Edition from NPR. Support for How I Built This comes from 3M, committed to protecting healthcare workers globally. 3M employee Chris knows that healthcare workers, like his daughter, may need to get up close to provide patient care. He's working hard to direct high performing personal protective equipment to hospitals and hotspots so she and nurses like her can be protected while caring for their patients. Hear their story at 3M.com/slash improving lives. 3M Science, applied to life. This message comes from NPR sponsor Don Julio Tequila. Don Julio Gonzalez didn't just farm agave, he worshipped them. He harvested each agave individually, plant by plant, only handpicking the agaves at optimum maturity. And his legacy lives on today through his exceptional tequila, Don Julio, a life devoted to tequila making. Please drink responsibly. Don Julio Tequila, 40% alcohol by volume, copyright 2021, imported by Diageo Americas, New York, New York. Hey, welcome back to How I Built This Resilience Edition. And I'm talking with Sonia Gill. She's the founder and CEO of Fluenz. After travel restrictions shut down her company's in-person immersion program in Mexico City, Oaxaca, and Barcelona, Fluenz had to return to its roots online education. But Sonia still wasn't sure if they'd make it. Sonia, was there a moment where you were worried about whether the whole your whole business would, would make it through this year? Oh my God, are you kidding? Yes, I'm still worried. Um, we're alive and we're good, but of course, yes, absolutely. Step one was just go back to the Excel sheet and just dial down everything. Like, hmm. what are we spending on that we don't need to be spending on right now? How do we get to the bare minimum to keep going? And, you know, it was important to us to keep the entire team as, as much as possible. We had no idea what was going to happen, but, you know, what can we do? There's a lot of things that we already paid for. Like, what can we do here? Let's negotiate yeah. a lot of things we lost, a lot of things we're able to keep. And then, okay, we have all of these people booked for the whole year. We need to contact them, do the best we can in terms of, you know, returns or postponements. Like, we need to come up with a policy. That was like the first couple of weeks just putting down the fire, right? Yeah. At the same time, being the psychologist and mentor and, and shoulder for the team, you know, a lot of our, our members are quite young and great, amazing people, but they, they were like up in the air, like, what do we do now? We have, yeah. we have nothing, right? So a lot of it was also that, like talking to every single individual person in the team, hi, we're good. We got you covered till the end of the year. What's your situation? Can you make it if we bring it down? Like, what's the deal? I wanted to know every single individual situation so that we could just feel at ease for at least the coming months 
so we could actually yeah. think and come together and figure something out. I was in Mexico City at the time. I, I have a home there. I'm based there. So I decided to kind of pack my bags and leave. And we rented a home in Colorado, far away from everything, so I could just sit down and have time to focus and come up with something new. <laughs> it was wow. like, we kind of started a new company in 2017 and what that takes. And so yeah. like, here we are in March, we got to start a company all over again, but we got 30 days. What do we do? <laughs> What's next? Wow. So you go to Colorado after, I mean, putting out this huge fire must have been so stressful. And you go there with the idea of like, we've got to come up with a plan to keep our business operating through this economic crisis. So what do you, what do you come up with? <laughs> yeah, it was clear that the, the way to do it was, okay, we got to pivot and go online. We had the digital products and we've never left that alone. That exists and that goes on. But it's very different than what we do with the immersion program. And so it was like, what can we do? How do we pivot the face-to-face -face experiences where people definitely expect much more than just the language learning, right? It's about a cultural experience. It's about feeling taken care of. How do we translate what we have there into this, right? A screen. And thankfully, throughout the years that we've done the in-person immersion, we had been doing some online coaching with people that had already been in the immersion to continue. So we had already a little bit of knowledge in terms of hmm. the format. We already knew that 90 minutes is the perfect amount of time to do a chapter. So we knew that. And then we knew a little bit about what the exchange is like online. So step one was, all right, team, let's put together this content from getting everybody together, training, and making sure that the exchange through a screen was the correct one and making sure that the look of what you see is pleasing, is aesthetic, it looks like it's thought out. There's some informality through these types of engagements through screens that sometimes bring a little bit less seriousness to the conversation and we want it to bring in the seriousness, which is what we have in the in-person experiences. So everybody has a uniform. There's a system where we know exactly where every student is and mm -hmm. what they're going through. At the same time, we have a meeting every week with all of our team members. We discuss every single student. What are they missing? Right. Uh, what, do we need to change anything? Do we need to adapt anything? So mm -hmm. it turned out that this online version of the immersion has been incredibly effective in terms of the learning wow. for our guests hmm. because we can be that much more precise and we can individualize it that much more. You had um, Salman Khan on this yep. podcast. I, lo I love him. And he talked about how the best learning experiences are when you have a great teacher that identifies your gaps and then focuses on that. And yeah. this online version of the immersion allows us much better to hone in on those gaps and fill them in. This sounds like a really cool thing that you guys are doing. How are you getting the word out about the offerings? And what are ways that you're trying to essentially acquire new users or, or get new, new customers? That's a tough one. Being in the language learning business for so long, I can tell you that the affinity isn't always there. Meaning, guy, you happen to like Italian and that's the language that you'd like want to learn. But that doesn't mean yeah. that your friend 
wants to learn that or is willing to put in the time to learn that. It's really hard to hone in on the demographics. Thankfully, the way we started with the online immersion is that we have a database. We have all the people that have come to the immersions. We have all the people that had signed up to come in the future. And so we were able to offer this as a replacement in a way. And that got us started. Um, we do campaigns in Google Ads. I talk to anyone that is willing to talk to me. Uh-huh. Just like when we started digital programs, same thing with the online. How, um, how big is your team right now? So we are about 20, 20 instructors and growing. You do Spanish, uh, Mandarin, Italian. What else? German, Spanish, uh, French, and Portuguese. Right. For the immersions, for now, we only do Spanish, but we definitely want to add. Um, this is a question from Chelsea Ewing Chow. Chelsea asks, do you have any plans to create a feature that enables similar students to interact with one another? So a lot of our students that are in the immersions now crave that connection with other students, right? And right now what we're doing is we're doing live events every month. So history talks, and they're free, by the way. Everybody who's listening, come to our live events. They're amazing. We have history talks in Spanish and English so that you can practice, but also actually get the information, cooking classes, whatever, all sorts of interests. And people come together there to mix a match. But uh, yeah, that's something that it's in the works. There's Everything's in the works now. And so, I mean, it seems like this kind of pivot that you've made with the immersion program I mean, do you think that is going to actually impact the way you teach immersion even after we get out of this pandemic? Oh, my God. Yes. The answer is a solid 100% yes. First of all, the online immersion is here to stay. I have no doubt. It's something that also had been in our minds. But if there's one thing this pandemic has accelerated and it has opened the doors toward is online education. I think people are definitely ready and and willing and much more open to it. So yeah, this is here to stay. I think there will be a mix of both. So I I can see how a lot of people will do an online immersion first before doing an on-site one to, you know, to really get the most of the on-site one. Um, But we'll see, right? We're we're figuring it out. It's, we're growing the team at the same time. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, It's definitely less lucrative. I mean, it sounds like you're doing exactly the right thing. I mean, a moment like this forces constraints. And within those constraints, you have to be nimble and you have to be careful with how you spend money and you have to be focused and, and you're doing all those things. Yeah, we're there. We're good. We're, we're, we're solid. We're alive. We actually see um, a horizon where we can grow. We've, a new part of the business has, has sprung up and that's exciting. But we're still on total bootstrap mode. Like, do not spend anything that does not need to be spent on right now because you have to have room to maneuver. You have to be able to change if need be. That's an excerpt from my conversation with Sonia Gill, founder and CEO of Fluenz, a language learning company. To see our full interview, you can go to facebook.com slash howibuiltthis. And if you want to see all of our past live interviews, you can find them there or at youtube.com slash NPR. If you want to find out more about the How I Built This Resilience series or other virtual NPR events, you can go to nprpresents.org. This episode was produced by Liz Metzger with help from J.C. Howard, Will Mitchell, Bruce Grant, Matt Adams, Elle Mannion, Gianna Cappadona, John Isabella, Julia Carney, Neva Grant, and Jeff Rogers. Our intern is Farah Safari. 
Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and I'll see you in a few days. I'm Guy Raz, and you've been listening to How I Built This Resilience Edition from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Nespresso Professional. Bring the coffee house to your business with the new Nespresso Memento coffee and milk machine. Create barista quality, fresh milk coffee drinks with touchless brewing technology. Learn more at Nespresso.com pro. What does it take to start something from nothing? And what does it take to actually build it? I'm Guy Raz. Every week on How I Built This, I speak with founders behind some of the most inspiring companies in the world. NPR's How I Built This. Listen now.